1: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare slash weight loss.
2: The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to You're in Good
0: Company, an investing podcast striving to disrupt the norms in the finance industry. I'm Maddie and as always
2: I'm in some very good company with my co-host Sophie. Hi Maddie, I have another joke. (laughs) Here we go. Why is Ireland a good investment? Why? (laughs) Because its capital is Dublin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Get it? Like doubling your profits? (laughs) Got it. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for clarifying again. If you have to if you have to explain the joke, it often says something.
2: <laughs> oh, it's a good one. Come on, you laughed. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to today's episode, but before we jump into it, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past and present and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for.
0: So Soph, on today's episode, we are going to be learning all about the startup world and how you can invest in startups, um, whether they're a good investment and what to look out for, which... I think we can also apply to our everyday investing as well.
2: Yeah, because I mean, sometimes the startup space is a little bit more difficult to access, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, and you know, some avenues that you might be able to use to access that space. But we also chat about how how big companies or multinationals such as Coca Cola are investing, and in the benefits of big companies like this uh, looking into the startup
3: space.
0: But before we do, let's hear from a YJCA community member. Show me the. Honey, honey. Hi, you're in good company. My name is Katie and I'm 26 years old. I currently work in digital marketing for a not-for-profit and I earn around $4,500 a month. My current investment strategy is ever-changing as I'm currently attempting to save for a house deposit. God help me. But I do hold mostly company-based shares that are usually Australian, but I do dip my toes in an international market here and there. My portfolio currently sits at about $14,000 with just over $4,000 of that being profit. I've also just started dipping my toes into cryptocurrencies and I somehow have managed to turn $200 into $1,200. With a lot of trial and error and mostly small holdings. So great to hear from another YGC community member. And if you would like to hear your voice on the show, jump into our DMs at YGC Podcast on Instagram or send us a message on Facebook. We would love to hear from you. Before we get into today's episode, let's define a couple of terms so that we can all be across the conversation. What's that? We mentioned a couple of terms VC fund and PE fund. Can you give us a quick rundown on what these babies
2: are? Yeah, so essentially VC stands for venture capital and PE stands for private equity And in simple terms, they are funds, so people managing money from private investors. So individuals collectively putting their money together, which the fund will then manage, and that fund and the team will put their money into investments. So the example that we talk about in the episode is Glow Capital
0: Partners. Um, It's a new private equity fund founded by Kate Morris, who is the founder of Adore Beauty. So now, into today's episode, we are so excited to welcome Natalie Collins onto the show. Natalie is a non-executive director on boards within the ASX 200 listed Centuria Capital Group, which is an Australasian real estate funds manager. Previously, she worked at Coca-Cola Amital for 22 years in her role as the co-founder of their corporate venturing platform. Here, she worked with and invested in startups to help build the entrepreneurial capability across Coca-Cola Amatil. Today, Natalie is also an angel investor in StartMate Venture Capital First Believers Immersion Program, Australia's leading startup accelerator, where she helps to democratize access to investment opportunities and broaden founders' access to capital. Natalie, we are so excited to have you. Welcome to your in good company.
2: Thanks, girls. It's great to be here. Natalie, we're so excited for today. But before we jump into all of your exciting content that we know you have planned, we want to get to know you a little bit better. So, firstly, what's the best thing that's happened to you this week?
3: Hands down, best thing is I booked a holiday after <laughs> a shocking couple of months and years. I think you could say for everyone, you know, with those prolonged COVID lockdowns, which we're still in, although hopefully about to come out here in New South Wales, Um, you know, the bushfires before that, it's just been 18 months of cancelled holidays for, for all of us. So yeah, it was definitely a highlight of this week to book a holiday and look forward to spending some really lovely time with family and friends and some great weather and just being able to enjoy all the fantastic things that this country has to offer.
0: Oh, sounds so nice. Yeah, something to look forward to is I think what we all need at the moment. And, Natalie, if you could have dinner with anyone,
3: who would it be and why? Oh, Look, at the moment it would have to be Gladys Berejiklian. I just think, (laughs) yeah, I I think after the, uh, you know, the time that she's had recently, particularly the last 18 months as New South Wales Premier, um, I would just love to hear some of the exchanges she's had with Scott Morrison, with Dan Andrews, with Anastasia. I mean, I think there'd be some (laughs) incredible dinner conversation in there.
2: I'm sure there'd be many glasses of wine involved with all the stories that she probably has.
3: (laughs) Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I think we'd start with a
2: cocktail. So final question, Natalie, if you could be a stock or company, who would you be and why?
3: For me, it would be Canva. They are arguably today's golden child of the Australian startup landscape and you know, if you think about them, they were founded in 2013 and only seven years later they've got 60 million users across 190 countries. Um, just last month they raised 200 million. Um, of capital off a valuation of $55 billion. And that's, you know, just incredible. That now makes them more valuable on paper um, than Telstra, which is just uh, extraordinary.
0: There are some huge names, I remember looking up when they um, raised that money and where it sort of put them in size on the ASX. And they're so big, like bigger than Woolies as well. It's just so crazy to see. It, it
3: really is. And, you know, that latest capital raise was led by some of the most reputable investment firms from around the country, around the globe, um, including Sequoia, T. Rowe Price, and some of Australia's leading firms, so Blackbird Ventures, Airtree Ventures. And then, you know, I just love the fact that it's led by a female founder, Melanie Perkins. And I don't know if you read, but they've just committed to pledge the vast majority of their equity, because she and her husband Cliff now are extraordinarily wealthy. um, And they're going to pledge a lot of their equity to do good in the world through the Canva Foundation. So for me, it's, you know, what's not to love about Canva at the moment?
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think this has been one of my favorite news stories of the year. When it happened, I was so excited and just could not stop reading about it. Absolutely. So Natalie, with your career so far, pretty impressive, might I say. You have made it into the world of startups and venture capital. Before we get into this a little bit more, can you just explain to us what venture capital is?
3: So venture capital is, it's a form of financing provided by venture capital firms to the startups that they think have high growth potential. And so they inject dollars into the firm. Um, In return, they get some equity in the business. And so in theory, the value of that equity will grow over time um, and delivering hopefully outsized returns um, for that particular company. And I guess the, the important thing here is um, you know, the potential growth, the word potential, um, because venture capital is generally invested right at the beginning of a company um, when it's considered really early stage. So It may not be turning a profit yet, um, which is quite hard to wrap your head around that you'd invest in something that's not even making, you know, a profit. But there's real kernels of growth there. So things like, you know, increasing monthly revenue, they're onboarding customers, they've got low customer churn. So real signals that this company is going to be successful in time. You know, we just talked about Canva raising 200 million in venture capital. Well, back when they launched in 2013, so Blackbird Ventures, who just um, invested again in this most recent round, they put in 250 grand for 14% ownership and they've been, continued to invest over the years. Um, they've now invested over 50 million, but they've maintained that 14% stake. So, you know, on exactly, on a valuation of 55 billion, I mean, that's some pretty sweet returns there. Oh,
2: wow. <laughs> and how did you yourself make your way into the world of startup and venture capital?
3: yes yeah, so I'd, I'd spent, you know, 20 odd years um, in the corporate space doing things from, you know. Fine finance, um, supply chain, marketing, corporate innovation. And I was at Coca-Cola Amateur and, you know, Coca-Cola is obviously a company with a very successful track record in, in here in this country for over 100 years. But to remain successful and stay ahead of the competition, we really needed to keep an eye on what was happening outside of our organisation. So what new technologies, what business models were starting to emerge and we had a really visionary CEO in Alison Watkins, and she really saw that there was an opportunity for us as a business to start engaging with the startup ecosystem. And so she gave a really small team of us the opportunity and the remit to do just that. So in 2018, we founded Amital X. And as part of Amateur we ran a corporate accelerator, which uh, took early stage or napkin stage ideas, if you like, um, and built them into minimum viable products. So something that you could actually put in front of a customer. Um, and that really got us close to the startup mindset and, and helped us to embed ourselves in the local startup ecosystem. Um, we also raised a VC fund um, and started investing into companies um, that could really, we felt, help to fuel our growth. And they were technology solutions, not beverages. Um, So things that sort of sat up and down our value chain, whether they were, you know, linked to our supply chain or things that could help us to sell or help our customers to sell more beverages. And then we also built a global uh, VC community across the Coca Cola system. And that was all about, you know, sharing learnings and working together to identify and scale businesses that we were investing in across the globe.
0: I love that concept of a napkin, an idea. It's such a, I feel like venture capital is such a fancy finance word, but at the end of the day, it's just being able to like invest in and support really small scale businesses. And I think it's such an exciting area to learn about in investing. I am wondering how, because another word that I have heard quite a bit is angel investing. How does venture capital differ from angel investing?
3: Yeah, so angel investors are individuals as opposed to venture capital firms. And these individuals are, you know, people who at today need to meet the definition of a sophisticated investor. But they invest their own money into startups. And it's generally done at a stage before that company would attract venture capital investment. Um, so from a firm like a Blackbird or a Sequoia. So think about Shark Tank, if you like. I don't know if you've seen that uh-huh. show. Yeah, so the Steve Baxters, <laughs> the Naomi Simpsons of the world, they're investing their own money into, into a startup or into an idea or really even at that stage into a founder that they believe can really build a successful business. Um, and so, you know, why why would they do that? Um, it's obviously pretty high risk and, you know, hopefully it's part of a diversified investment strategy would be the first thing. So they're investing in other asset classes too and it just makes up part of their portfolio. But it is a way within that portfolio to access outsized returns. So if you think of you know Canva that we've just been talking about, that'd be amazing to invest in something like that. I know, I know, wouldn't we all like to have a Canva in our portfolio? But it can also help you know for those sophisticated investors in particular to uh, access taxation incentives, depending on the status of the company that they're investing in. Uh, what I have found though, is that most angels are just really passionate about this particular space. They're they believe in the role that startups can play in stimulating economic growth, in driving jobs, and in technological advancement, and just improving the lives that we live. And I think that's a really key component to to an angel investor is just the passion and belief they have in the difference that startups can make in the world.
0: I have to say, even now, like if Canva could please just list, because I would still invest in them today. Can they stop <laughs> staying private? Yeah. Well,
3: you know, back in the day, that you know, the likes of <laughs> Facebook and Uber, they all started out just like that too. And their valuations continue to, to go north. So yeah, please list guys.
2: <laughs> Come on, Melanie. I do have a follow-up question because I know that you mentioned um, sophisticated investor. Would you be able to give a bit of background to what you would classify as a sophisticated investor?
3: Sure. So if you, so the, I mean, the criteria is in black and white and that is uh, a sophisticated, or you are classified as a sophisticated investor if you have either earned more than $250,000 for the last two years, or you have um, more than $2.5 million in net wealth. Uh, and so at the moment to invest as an angel investor, you do need to meet either one of those criteria and have an accountant certify that you do. But there's a lot of people in the industry at the moment who are not that happy with that criteria and believe that you know there should be the ability to invest as an angel investor should be a lot more accessible. So there's some lobbying going on and, you know, hopefully in time that criteria will change and and it will be a lot more accessible to, you know, the everyday retail investor should they choose to um, make angel investing part of their portfolio.
2: Well, maybe Maddie and I will start lobbying so that we can also get into things like canva yeah. before they get a $55 billion valuation. Exactly. You,
3: you, I'd say you probably missed your boat on angel investing in Canberra, yeah. but that's um, the next Canberra.
0: Might not qualify anymore. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I saw as
0: well the other day I was reading about Kate Morris's new PA fund as well and that they've got a similar um qualification for investors. I'm not sure if it's exactly that, but it sounded like the same sort of sophisticated level net wealth requirements. And I remember thinking, damn, I want Kate Morris to invest my money for me. <laughs>
3: Well, it's, it's interesting you mentioned Kate there and Glow Venture Partners that she's just launched. So there's, what we're starting to see here in Australia is these successful founders like Kate, um, now investing back in the ecosystem. So. Mike Cannon Brooks has Grok Ventures, so he's done the same thing. Scott Farquhar um, and his wife have launched Skip Capital, so they're doing the same thing. So there's a lot of these founders that are, have had success and are really passionate about investing back in the ecosystem to support that next generation of founders, which is just amazing to see.
2: I think that's also really exciting because. Australia is you know still a bit of a growing economy in terms of we're not at the same level as some of the bigger economies like the US so really investing back into our ecosystem just gives us that push that we really need because there's a lot of like incredible technology that comes out of this country and then it's just sold off to bigger companies in bigger regions so it'd be great to just keep some of it in Australia.
3: <laughs> it's You're so right and you know 10 years ago, and probably less than that, to to raise capital, you really had to head off to Silicon Valley. Um, And it's just amazing to see that that's no longer the case. There really are a lot of options to raise capital here, whether it be through angel investors or through venture capital firms, family offices. There's a lot of people really interested in this space. And as you rightly point out, Sophie, there are so many amazing entrepreneurs in this country or in this region that um, deserve that funding. So, yeah, bring it on. So,
0: Natalie, you've become an angel investor at Startmate. Can you give us a little bit of insight into what Startmate is? And I guess, what is the role of investors like yourself?
3: So, you you, you may hear Startmate referred to as the epicentre of startup ambition in Australia and New Zealand. And it, it really is. Um, they're an amazing bunch. It was created back in 2011 at a time when you know we're just talking about the fact there was just no venture capital or startup scene here in Australia you really had to go off to Silicon Valley to find those funds and um, they pulled together a micro fund which was supported by a number of successful founders so you know Scott and Mike from Atlassian being two of those and they started to invest in that next batch of founders And initially, Startmate was just an accelerator, so a 12-week structured program that took those early-stage businesses um, and accelerated their growth. And today, they're running two of those a year, which is fantastic. And they've built this amazing community of of VCs, um, of former founders and mentors like me, uh, who share their experience and invest their time and their money um, into each of those cohorts. And it's really focused on giving those founders with amazing ideas um, and, or, and already proven traction in the market, that next um, injection of, of growth to really spur them forward. And I guess what's, Quite unique about their model is this community of mentors and founders that they have around them, having this skin in the game. You know, their their own money and time invested to re- really gets their buy in, I guess, to to help those founders and and spur them along. So, an amazing approach, and it's been really, really successful. They've now invested in over 150 startups, which is just great. And look, it's probably also worth mentioning for your audience in particular, uh, Startmate now runs a number of fellowship programs as well as their flagship accelerator. So they've got one that's aimed at increasing the number of females that are working in startups, um, the female um, founder fellowship. And they've also got one that's about creating opportunities for students to enter the workforce in a startup. So really trying to drive jobs and female representation in technology, uh, and they're doing a fantastic job at that. And now the other thing that's you know, also linked to this um, particular conversation is that they've created a program just in the last 12 months which they call First Believers Um, and it's about trying to get more angel investors here in Australia and really opening up that to a wider audience Um, and actually it's a program that I participated in with them um, in the last 12 months which has just been fantastic. So
2: what do you look for as an investor in the startup space? You know, what what are the types of businesses that you're working with that you've just described? Like, you know, is it the cafe up the street? (laughs) Does it have to have certain criteria? Like... What are you working with?
3: So let me start with that. What what am I looking for? And look, the things that I look for are fairly consistent with what angels and VCs would look for across the globe. Um, so there's four key things. I've bucketed them into four things. First one's team. Second thing's um, market or opportunity. Um, the third one is product, and the fourth is commerciality of the business. So let's start with the first one being team. So. You know, who are they? Who are the founders that are founding this particular business? Uh, You know, I'm looking for, are they pursuing their life's mission? You know, you don't start a startup or you shouldn't, you know, and hope to be out of that and exit in two years' time. The best founders, the most successful companies are in it for the long haul. So you want to know that they're really pursuing their life's mission. They're really passionate. What are their unique insights in this space? What do they bring to the table that's unique and different from anyone else? And do you think they're going to have the ability to attract great talent and lead a big team in time? So that's that's T and the sorts of questions that I'd be wanting to to have answered. And secondly, so market opportunity, what what we're looking for there is, you know, what's the problem that they're solving? All great startups uh, have a particular problem that they're trying to solve. And then we want to have a look at, well, how big is that problem? You know, what's the size of the market? Is it a global problem? Hopefully it is. Uh, and are there market forces at play, or are there trends right now that make this particular product, you know, likely to be successful at this moment in time? And then, third, you know, is product. So, what's the solution? What have they built? How is it different to other alternatives in the marketplace? Is it defensible? You know, have they built something that means you know others aren't going to be able to just come and do the same thing and replicate what they've done? And then what traction do they have? You know, do they have, you know, increasing revenue a month on month? Are they acquiring customers? What are those, you know, metrics that they're measuring that can show me that that product has gained traction in the market? And then lastly, the commerciality of the business. So what's their business model? You know, how are they going to make money at the end of the day? What's their path to profitability and their go-to-market strategy? So, you know, there's quite a few questions in there. There's a fair bit, but they're, they're the sorts of questions that I would want to work through. And if you, you know, let's go back to Canva for a minute. Let's have a look at, at them. So the founders, if you think about the team that's founding um, Canva, so Melanie and Cliff were second time founders. I don't know if you knew that. Um, they'd done it before. They'd been successful. Their first business was a photo book software. So they'd been in that general space. They'd had success. And this Canva was sort of a spin off of that. And so that's a, a huge tick um, to have a second time founder, someone that's been there, done that before. And, you know, when you think about the opportunity of, of Canva, um, you know, collaborative design platform, meaning anyone can create professional designs, you know, the market and the opportunity, the potential there is huge. And the you know the product um, so desktop design you could argue was ripe for disruption. Um, the creator economy was starting to emerge. So every man and his dog, you know, keen to be able to do that rather than outsource and make you know give that to someone that you know was professionally trained to do it. And then lastly, the commerciality of their business. You know, it's a pretty simple SaaS model, subscription model. Clear path to profitability, so you know back of the envelope, it, it ticks a lot of boxes. Obviously, easy to see that with um, with hindsight, but um, you know that's that's sort of the process that you would go through as a VC or an angel investor to assess an opportunity. So, Sophie, to answer your question, you know probably not the cafe up the road. Um, but uh, <laughs> are often a technology solution, but not always.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, even though these are questions that you ask, you know, in the startup space, they're actually questions and buckets that you can use regardless to assess companies that you're investing in, in the market, because it's a great, there are a great couple of four buckets that you've got there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I
0: c- can't agree more. So we've spoken quite a bit about Canva. I'm very interested to know if you can tell us anything about some of the startups that you're either investing in. Or mentoring at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Who's made the cut? Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's put camera to the side for the moment. So, I'd love to tell you about Bear Soap. So, um, Bear Soap is a company that I have been mentoring through the recent startup uh, StartMate Accelerator. And it's just been an incredible privilege to watch this business evolve over the past three months so they have developed a technology that crystallizes the active ingredients in soap into a powdered formulation uh, and using just plant-based ingredients so they haven't sort of compromised on on quality there either Uh, and so as a as a consumer who uses hand soap you know all you need to do is add water and so yeah, I don't know if you know, but the soap and a lot of those personal care and cleaning products are ninety percent water. So we're shipping a ridiculous amount of water around <laughs> the globe. Yeah, that's right. Just literally millions and billions of litres around the planet. Um, and so not only will bear soap take uh, plastic bottles out of it because the the bottles that um, you fill mm. are reusable, but it's going to significantly reduce carbon emissions. So, you know, super excited to see where that business goes. And um, Priska, the founder, uh, is an incredible founder. She's got some amazing mentors and advisors on board, Kate Morris being one of those. So, yeah, really excited to see where, where Bear Soap goes. Now, as any investor will tell you, or any experienced investor, it's really important to diversify your investments. So um, one of my other investments is completely other end of the spectrum, and it's a company called Replica and they are an AI voice platform for gaming and for movies and, and, you know, eventually the metaverse. Um, Gosh, gaming is just so on trend at the moment. (laughs) It really is, and, you know, I have a – an 11-year-old son and so unfortunately it is in our household and (laughs) so I just see between him and his mates you know the the industry that sits behind this entertainment and I think yeah it is there's just so much opportunity there so these guys you know today these gaming companies need to go and pay voice actors to record voice. And so what Replica does, um, rather than companies having to do that, which is really timely and expensive, they're building an AI-driven platform that will have high-quality, expressive voices that can act and perform for gaming, eventually movies, um, and all sorts of things um, as the metaverse continues to evolve. So that's a really exciting one to watch. And, yeah, as you said, Maddie, I think really on, on trend and then you know, I'll, I'll share one final one with you um, which I think might be interesting for your audience and it's a company called Perla and they are a retail ah. wealth platform. You say, ah, have you heard of these guys?
0: <laughs> yeah, we know Perla.
3: Ah, very good. Well, yeah, they, these are um, an investment of, of mine. So as I'm sure you know from the sounds of, um, of what you've just said, they're about creating long-term wealth for everyday people through consistent investing So they're kind of, um, I've heard them described as the anti-Robin Hood. Um, So they haven't been, you know, they haven't looked at it as optimising for day trades. They're um, starting with those more conservative long-term investing products like ETFs and superannuation. It sounds like you're familiar with them, but some of the stats that I love about these guys, you know, they launched 12 months ago. Um, They already have over $70 million invested through their platform. And they've grown at 45% month on month over the past six months, which, you know, as, wow. a, as an investor is a great sign. Um, so yeah, great one for your audience to have a look at if they haven't already
2: yeah i think we've actually seen a lot of new um brokerage platforms kind of come into the space and because maddie and i you know speak about them pretty often we do love looking into you know what these kind of services are offering and how they try and kind of differentiate themselves from each other because they are you know offering the same thing but then they try and go down different avenues of like how to differentiate and what they can actually offer to consumers whether it be the technology or the fees or whatever else so i think it's a really interesting space
0: and it's a great time to be a retail investor because they're all competing against each other. So it's just making the products better and better and better.
3: (laughs) I can't agree with you more, Maddie. I think it is an amazing time to start your journey as a retail investor. Just the access that you now have to different asset classes for, you know, much smaller um, investment sizes. I just think it's incredible. So yeah, you're on a great journey where you are um, starting to have a look at all these things and, and sharing that with your audience.
2: So last question on this, we're talking about retail investors can we as retail investors invest in any of these you know incredible startups that you've been chatting about
3: so yeah I mean I think we go back to the sophisticated investor criteria at the moment you do need to meet that criteria however you know if if you do or in time if you don't need to there's a few ways that you can invest with smaller check sizes so as an angel investor you can go individually onto a cap table but you generally need to have um, a reasonably large check written to, to gain access to to that. Um, so there's another avenue which is fantastic for those starting out and that's to invest via a syndicate and that's when angel investors pull their funds together to be able to invest a larger sum of money and make that more appealing to a founder. Uh, And so there's syndicates like um, Flying Fox or 1013 um, who facilitate that for you. Uh, And I found them to be, you know, a fantastic source of deal flow. Um, They do a lot of the assessment. You know, I just took you through what I'm looking for when I, you know, I'm looking and assessing um, potential investment opportunities. They actually do all the hard work um, and run through that process. And so as an investor – Um, you know, you can sort of piggyback off the the hard work that they've done um, and choose to invest or not. So that's another way to access it. The the other way would be um, through platforms like Equitize. And so Equitize, uh, you can actually invest not as a, uh, you don't have to be a sophisticated investor to invest that way. Um, And you can invest very, very, very small sums of money, you know, hundreds of dollars. Um, They are generally Uh, consumer products as opposed to technology solutions Um, that tends to be what differentiates them coming through that platform but you know if you really want to get access to these sorts of of ideas it might be a really great way to start and companies like Bear soap um, have decided to to raise their funds through equitize at least initially so yeah get on there and check it out
0: yeah wow we are going to take a quick break for our sponsors but we'll be right back to chat more about venture capital investing So, Natalie, you worked at Coca-Cola for 22 years, and you're part of their venture capital sort of arm. There, why do you think it's so important for large companies such as Coca-Cola to be allocating capital to investing in startups?
3: Look, I think it's super important for companies of all sizes to continue to innovate and stay ahead of the game. Particularly, you know, large companies that have been successful for a long period of time. It doesn't mean that you know that trajectory will continue. And so I like to think of investing in startups as a form of outsourced R&D as opposed to an investment with a targeted return over a set period of time which is you know probably traditionally how businesses look at at investing. And so corporates engaging in venture capital really are investing in companies and business models that have the potential to add value to their core business and any you know financial return over time is in my opinion you know an added bonus. And so for amateur uh, and mostly uh, corporates that invest in this space, they're investing in technology solutions up and down their value chain. So things that can either make their supply chain more efficient or solutions that can help them to sell more at the end of the day. So, you know, if if companies are not keeping an eye on what's happening, um, particularly in the startup scene, they really do risk being disrupted, you know, just like the blockbusters and the Kodaks of the world.
0: On that point, as a retail investor, I think it's such a positive for me um, because it indicates that the company is investing to keep up with the latest trends and technologies and really you know, stay ahead of what's going on around them because you don't want them to be the next blockbuster if you're investing in them. <laughs>
3: no, definitely, definitely not. And yeah, I think it, it keeps the the core business on its toes too when it's you know tapped into what's happening in that in that startup um, industry. So yeah, big big believer in corporates in particular working together um, and bringing what they have to the table to startups. So. You know, I really think of it as as them working together and collaborating. You know, the startups bring that, um, you know, that startup mindset, that innovation, that responsiveness and speed, agility. Um, and corporates really bring that, you know, uh, that proven model, the proven business model, the the network of investors, of, of um, the supply chain that's already built, the customer base. And you know when you bring the two together, I think that's where the magic can really happen.
2: Yeah. I was going to ask, what do you think large corporations can learn from the smaller players in the startup world? And it seems like it's the agility that they can bring, You know, their decisiveness and their quick actions to really keep up with what's happening in the world at the moment.
3: Absolutely, Sophie. Uh, there's a lot of that. And I think It's that whole mindset that a startup brings, Um, so really focusing on the problem um, as opposed to the solution uh, is a really big one, not being attached to a particular solution but getting close to the customer and really understanding the problem that they have um, and then applying different solutions and applying them in a really small way so that test and learn mentality is really important so don't come up with a solution and then ask for you know five million dollars to implement it Uh, let's get really close to the problem and propose a few different solutions and test and learn really small and fast um, and then iterate off those solutions to find the one that fits best and then ask for the the big bucks to go and implement it
0: well I think that brings us nicely to our watch list and I must say I'm very excited to hear what you're going to add today Each episode, we have been asking our guests to add a stock, company, news, trend, industry, anything you like to our watch list. And the purpose of this is to get us thinking outside the box and broaden our horizons in the investing space. But of course, we are not financial advisors, and this is purely for educational purposes only. So Natalie, what are you bringing to the watch list today?
3: I would love to add to your watch list a another podcast um, called 20 VC and it's hosted by uh, a guy called Harry Stebbings and he's one of my favorite podcasts so Harry started this podcast um, at 17 and he's only 25 now so he's still super young writing your long yeah so yeah he's, he's been going for a while and um, but, yeah, so he's had over um, a 1,000 episodes now that um, he started back in his mum's garage um, and he was just super keen to learn about venture capital. Um, and so today he, he interviews all the leading VCs, some founders from some of the best-known companies, you know, the Spotify's of the world as an example, Um, Wow! in theory for 20 minutes, that's the 20-minute VC, uh, they tend to go a little bit longer. um, But he's (laughs) super engaging. um, His guests are phenomenal. And, you know, I think it would be a great way for your listeners to start to really immerse themselves in the global startup landscape. Um, It's just a really great listen. So 20-minute VC, Harry Stebbings.
0: You put us on to this one a few weeks ago now, and I can confirm it is a great recommendation, even just to get you thinking about, you know, not startups necessarily in particular, but like where are the trends going? And I think it's great inspiration for your own investing as well. Absolutely. Glad you enjoyed
2: it. Now, Natalie, our last question for you is what piece of advice would you tell yourself, your younger self, sorry, starting out on your investing journey?
3: So I'd have two pieces of advice for myself. And the first would be, I'd tell myself to approach it like a startup would. So Invest small amounts across multiple asset classes, thematics, different platforms, and then learn from each of those investments and then tweak my approach as I go. I just I love that approach and I tend to apply it to lots of different things in my life. So if I was going back to the beginning of my investing journey, I would definitely take that with me. Uh, and I'd remind myself that it's a you know it's a long-term game, so be patient, enjoy the ride, enjoy the ups and downs, you know, just like a startup founder has to. And then secondly, My word of advice to myself would be become a learn it all. You know, when it comes to investing, just learn as much as you can. So, seek out podcasts, seek out books, learn from other people's investing journeys. So, podcasts exactly just like this one. Um, You know, so thank you, Sophie and Maddie. I think, you know, creating content like this is such a gift for those starting out in their investing journey and has the opportunity to play a really meaningful role in creating that next generation of investors out there. So, Absolutely, learn it all. Listen to podcasts just like this one.
2: Well, thank you for the plug, Natalie. Appreciate it. Before we say goodbye, is there anything that you would like to plug?
3: Look, I think this is a great time for me to just revisit Startmate and um, let your audience know that that's a fantastic resource. If you know they're keen at looking at potentially working at a, at a startup in the future. Um, they've got a startup idea that they'd like to, you know, bring to the table, Um, check them out at Startmate. Um, They've got a number of different demo days. Uh, In fact, there's one today on the day of recording. Um, So by the time this goes to air, maybe the next one in six months' time, they're great things to go along and listen to just to immerse yourself in the local startup scene.
0: Sounds great. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a very insightful effort. I'm sure that everyone will really
3: enjoy it. Thanks so much for having me, ladies. It's been a pleasure to join you.
2: Thank you so much for joining us on our episode today. If you have any questions, please feel free to jump into our Facebook community group, YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group, or jump onto our Instagram. We often have posts that will correspond with the episode and give you a little bit more information. And if you are enjoying these episodes, please feel free to share with a friend or write us a review so that we can find more people like you. See you next week. You're in good company
0: is a product of equity mates media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of you're in good company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances before making any financial decisions. You should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast.